Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Sonia Mathura is the founder of Strategic Reliability Solutions Limited out of Trinidad and Tobago, where she operates in the capacity of managing director and senior consultant. Strategic Reliability Solutions works with global affiliates in the areas of reliability and asset management. They provide customized solutions to companies in all industries, including energy, manufacturing, marine, and industrial. Sonia holds her BSc in electrical and computer engineering, her MSc in engineering asset management, and is an ICML certified machinery lubrication engineer. We're going to talk about this a little later, but she is the first woman in the Caribbean to earn that certification along with some other certifications that we are going to talk about. Sonia sits on the editorial board for Precision Lubrication Magazine. She is also part of the Mobius Institute Committee responsible for the Field Lubricant Analysis and Condition Monitoring Scheme exams, which will be launched soon. And she's the author and co-author of five books on lubrication and related matters. She's also the series editor of the book series, Empowering Women in STEM, with the first book having been launched in December, 2022, which was called Empowering Women in STEM, Personal Stories and Career Journeys from Around the World. And then the second book coming out very soon called Empowering Women in STEM, Working Together to Inspire the Future. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Sonia. Thanks for having me, Emily. Um, It's very interesting to be here because I follow you online all the time and <laughs> you have been doing amazing work thank you for all that you've been doing with the podcast and you know just changing the industry really changing the industry you've well been doing you're, so kind. <laughs> you're so kind and I, I could say the same about you Sonia I feel like we've known each other for about four years at least now even I think though so. we <laughs> Yeah, I, we've never met in person, but we've talked so much on LinkedIn and possibly empowering women in industry, I probably chats. And I feel like I've also been watching your career develop over the past several years and seen everything you've accomplished. So I am very excited to do this and to hear your story and for you to share with us about your project. Oh boy. And well, from your introduction, I, I guess people could realize there are a lot of projects going on. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, that's that's kind of the way it goes with, with uh, movers and shakers like you. Oh so, boy. <laughs> um, well, like, let's start at the beginning because you grew up in Trinidad and Tobago. Can you, can you tell me how to pronounce this properly? Trinidad and Tobago? We call it Trinidad and Tobago. There are others who say Tobago, but you know what? Once they get here, it doesn't matter how you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been there. I would love to to visit oh. Trinidad and Tobago. Okay, but... bucket list. Yeah, we <laughs> add that in. We need to. We need to have a conference there. I just decided that. That's just yes, that's a good idea. I think so. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would love to hear about your upbringing in Trinidad and Tobago. Do you come from a family of engineers? How how did you 
start getting interested in STEM fields? So I don't have any other engineers in the family, in the immediate family, but I think I was always interested in trying to figure things out, you know, how they worked, how they didn't work. And uh, oddly enough, you know, I just, I knew I wanted to go down to that career path within engineering. But as, as you talked about in the bio, my bachelor's, was actually in electrical and computer engineering Mm -hmm. so that is a far long way from where I'm at right now because right now I after doing my engineering degree I I worked in the industry for a little bit somewhat in the field of electrical and some parts of computer engineering but afterwards I got this job with Shell Lubricants and uh, at the time, I was, you know, the youngest person, the only technical person in the Caribbean, technical female person in the Caribbean. Wow. And uh, I remember going to my first conference with them and everybody's going around the room and, you know, they're introducing themselves. And this guy stood up and he was like, I am, you know, whatever his name was from whatever country. And he's like, I have 24 years of experience in the field and then they came around to me being the only female in the room I'm like you know I'm Sanya I'm from Trinidad I know what 24 years of life experience feels like and I have one week experience in the field so (laughs) (laughs) that one helped a lot did everybody laugh oh they did they did. They gave me a prize afterwards for being the, <laughs> the most inexperienced in the room. But you know, that's how it works. <laughs> that's crazy because, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty standard for us as women in these industries to often be one of the only women. But yes. you were not just, you were literally the only woman. And you're the only woman in your in the field in the in that country. And you only had a week. <laughs> a week yeah, one week, one week. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But it's nice that, you know, you were confident enough to say that and that everyone was there. It seemed like they were supportive, right? Yeah, yeah. They've they've always been very supportive in, uh, you know, being able to help mentor or guide or provide some sort of, you know, experience or help wherever they can. Because, uh-huh. and, and one of the good things that I've learned over the years is just, um, being able to challenge them it sounds bad but being able to ask the questions and you know not just say okay well i am the new person here so i don't know anything i'm just gonna listen to whatever they say Mm -hmm. and i think that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with when they get into the industry as well and especially when being a female in a male populated industry yeah so they're like, you know, I don't want to ask questions. I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of women struggle with. But being able to be open enough to ask the questions and say, well, I don't really understand this. Um, This is how I think it should work. But I'm not sure if that is the right way. You know, what is your advice on that? Mm-hmm. So... I think that's something a lot of people should look into, especially when they're getting in the industry. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. 
Yes. Don't be afraid because you might learn something. Mm-hmm. And also you might, if you don't ask the questions and you you'll do never know. <laughs> way, you'll never know. And also you might really mess up, right? Oh yeah. And and sometimes, you know, those, those mistakes have some dollar signs attached to it. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. But then the more dollar signs, the bigger the mistake, right? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, so, so Sonia, you, you went to college to do electrical engineering. What was that whole experience like for you? Were you, did you also find yourself the only woman studying this? Oh, no. Um, what was really good. And I think, um, it has changed over the years is that for my particular class, we had a good mix of, um, male and females. So I may say like 30 to 40% were female. So that's hmm. that's a pretty decent group. When you look yeah. at um ten to twenty years ago, you know, with it being two percent or five percent. So we had a good mix of a good ratio of male mm-hmm. to female in my undergraduate degree. But when I did my post um post grad master's degree in engineering asset management, there were only two women in the um in the class. Initially, it was three and one dropped out. Mm-hmm. So it was a class of about um, 15 to 20 people. So you still had, you know, a limited amount of females. And I think sometimes that's what happens as you get into more specialized areas or people mm-hmm. who want to explore more into those particular fields. So the number of women kind of dwindled a little bit. Yeah. You you mentioned, or we mentioned in the intro, that you were the first woman in the Caribbean to earn your machinery lubrication engineer certification, which mm. is an amazing accomplishment. Yes. And you also were the first woman, and this is huge, in the world to achieve the ICML varnish badges. And you can oh, explain yeah. to us what that means, <laughs> oh, first yeah. of all. But I mean, just the fact that you are the first woman in the world to achieve this is really something. Um, can you tell us what those are? So um, back back when the pandemic happened in twenty twenty, um, I was like, I was I started to write my first book, mm-hmm. and that was lubrication degradation mechanisms, a complete guide. And uh, while writing the book, uh, I thought about you know, being a female author in this field. And I was thinking, nobody's going to take me seriously because I have no certification. Mm-hmm. I, I just have my, I have my engineering degree. I have my master's degree, but I don't have a lubrication certification. And ICML, which is the International Council of Machinery Lubrication, mm-hmm. they launched a particular certification Maybe it was in 2017 or so, or slightly earlier. And that certification is the highest ranked certification in their portfolio of certifications because they have quite a lot, right? And they advise that you do the lower level certifications and you build it up until you get to that, the engineer certification. And I was like, nobody said I had to. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going straight for the engineer certification and I'm going to get it done in like two months. 
So while writing the book, I studied for the exam, passed the exam, and uh, when I when the book was published, I had my certification. Nice. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that I was certified before you know I get torn down from the industry. Say, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't have a, a lubrication background or um, lubrication certificates, but coming out of that um that's when i so yes i was the first person in the caribbean to actually get that certification and uh, after talking to icml they were like there are only 11 women in the world who have this certification and i was like what that doesn't make sense like there's so many competent women that I meet in the field that you know can have the certification. So yeah, um, I want to of course I always encourage other women to try and get the certification, women and men, because mm-hmm. you know it is we need to get the certification. So it's really a good thing to do. And afterwards, they launch these varnish badges, mm-hmm. and I was like varnish varnish happens it's when your oil degrades and it messes up your equipment i was like oh this is interesting i think i could get these badges let me see Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i i did the exams and i got the badges and i was i think still until now the only female in the world to have these yes so at the time of this recording (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> I tell of this recording because I know that there are a couple of other women that I have encouraged to you know go and get their badges because they are experts in the field as well mm-hmm. and they definitely can have and achieve those certifications but it was a little bit mind-boggling because I'm like why why am I the only female it should not be yeah. like that you know yeah so, and wh- how can it benefit your career to do that? Once you're in the field with machines and lubrication, um, it is a really good knowledge base to have because when your lubricant degrades, which will happen from the moment it enters into your equipment, you may have the chance of varnish forming. And when varnish forms, it messes up every single thing. Mm-hmm. So just having the knowledge of it and earning that certification can actually help you or help your company to save some money because oddly enough, you know, um, I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. I wrote a book with Greg Livingstone on varnish and in it we cover a lot of different things about how it's formed, how it's not formed, what you could do, what you can do. And we even included some questions, sample questions that you can use to prepare yourself for those exams. Hmm. Yeah, there's a book out there. Okay, yeah. So if anyone wants to take this exam, definitely yeah, read Sonia's Definitely book. read the book. Um, Sonia, what made you decide to start your company, Strategic Viability Solutions? So the here's the thing. I was working with Shell Lubricants for about five years. And mm-hmm. During that time, I decided to do my master's in engineering asset engineering asset reliability. So 
the thing about it is that um let me rephrase that engineering asset management which is the only reliability um related postgraduate degree that we offer here locally in Trinidad and Tobago so that's why I chose that one and yes a lot of my electrical colleagues were upset with me because I switched over to the mechanical side mm-hmm. so you know they're very upset about that but that's okay mm-hmm. um when I was doing my master's I had to do my thesis and of course I did something based on lubrication because that's that's my field of study and while doing my thesis um quality is very very important to me so I realized I was not writing the best and then I decided I'm going to leave my corporate job and sit down and write this thesis properly so I did that and what happened when I did that is that I was able to reach out to so many more people so many more experts in the field um they were they had information that I couldn't find online you Mm -hmm. know they knew somebody who knew somebody who had information and I was you know there thinking wouldn't it be a really good thing if um people could have this hub where they could connect with other you know professionals in the field and mm-hmm. get advice on their reliability needs or get the right things that they need you know having that hub and that's how I thought about strategic reliability so in terms of the name I knew that I wanted it to be some sort of reliability solutions but at the end of the day it had to be strategic mm-hmm. so that's how we got the name strategic reliability solutions so that that's how the company was formed and um we just kept we partnered with a lot of global affiliates because they were the best in their field they were the go-tos they had the information they knew how to help training or consult on mm-hmm. different aspects so that's how we partnered with um some of our global affiliates and the company just sort of grew from there because I wanted to make sure that we added value and mm-hmm. that's that's where that's still one of the core things it has to add value and has mm-hmm. to help people within the industry in some way in terms of knowledge transfer or something like that so it always goes back to that <laughs> what who would you say is your clientele can you give us maybe I'm sure there are many different types of companies and people who are your clientele but can you give us an example of someone who would be a clientele so a lot of our clients they work in manufacturing so Mm -hmm. let's say for instance you have a company that produces bottled water Mm -hmm. they need to have lubricants so anything that turns anything that moves needs to have some sort of lubricants So a lot of the manufacturing companies, a lot of the petrochemical companies, you know, the ones that produce ammonia or they produce different types of things, they have larger, larger pieces of equipment that require a lot of maintenance. Mm -hmm. And when things go wrong and heads start a roll, they need to be able to talk to people who can help them in those regards. 
-hmm. and of course you know provide them with some sort of training um in terms of helping them to grow helping them to understand more information so i would say in a general way those would be some of our clients and you also have the magazine that you're a part of precision lubrication magazine is that put out by your company it is put out by amiri and what they've done is that they've gotten a group of experts together and these experts handle anything in lubrication so they are the they are the gurus of the industry so i'm glad to be included on that list and what what we do is that every two months or so we put out articles and these are articles that will help people in the industry give them more information on topics that they're looking at how do you troubleshoot certain things like i just the last article that i put out was about something one of the degradation mechanisms so it 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 goes into a step-by-step of Mm -hmm. how do you you know troubleshoot how do you determine that you're having this happening or anything like that so i love the fact that we can have people from different companies come in together and put together this magazine because it gives a broader perspective of everything so i love that i love that too and so instead of being one particular person's interest it's really a group group effort it's a community effort in in the whole industry and I assume some of you are competitors maybe and yeah I guess yeah some of them are yeah yeah coming together to work together (laughs) for the better of the industry which is great to hear yeah always can you tell us about the Mobius Institute Committee and what you're working on with that uh so this one is interesting because we became a Mobius partner recently and they are in the process of developing some lubrication exams to get another set of like certifications Mm -hmm. and this is the first time that they are doing that sort of development so again they've asked for experts to come in and help them you know make sure that the content is aligned that it is help is you know actually relevant to the industry Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there are some things you know sometimes people may have concepts from 50 years ago and it's not applicable to today so bringing in these experts you know helping to put the committee together making sure that the content is relevant for the students and that the Mm -hmm. students can actually use the content that's what we're doing right now and it's been really very interesting working with the team to get these things ready for students because I'm like yes you know students can get more certifications they can increase their knowledge you know become experts in the field because that's that's what we want to do at the end of the day yeah well when I first met you online on LinkedIn the the thing that stuck out to me the most about you is that your mission is to advocate and empower women in STEM fields and you're you have a niche in that in STEM fields but really you're your goal is to really empower women in various STEM fields. And you're an author yourself. And part of the way that you're helping to do that is by editing and releasing books about women in STEM. So I want to take, because we have about 10 minutes left, and I really want to make sure that we're talking about the book because it's such an exciting thing that you're working on. You've already done, released one last 
2022. Now you've got another one coming out in 2023. Um, so tell us about it. What? How did you come up with the idea to put these books together? And can you tell us what they're all about? So um, interesting thing about that is that I, I had published some books before. Um, of course, technical, very technical books with CRC oh. Press. And the editor, my publisher editor on that side, she reached out to me and she was like, do you want to do um, a book about women in STEM? And I'm like, no, I can't do that right now. I have too much on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I thought about it um, during the night and I was like, you know what? This is going to make such a big impact on so many lives and so many people. I'm going to tell her I changed my mind. So uh, the next day I told her, you know what? Yes, it is going to be a lot more on my plates. Yes, it means a lot more hours, but I will do what I can to make sure that it sees the light of day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And so, but the books, uh, how did you find the authors? Because each of the books consists of a chapter written by a different author, right? Mm -hmm. So it was you... very, it was very nice because when we started having the idea about it my thought process was I don't just want women to be authors in this book I okay. want to have men involved as well because um we need to have the guys involved you are our support system we can only do this if we work together so that was the one of the main underlying concepts for these books and there are so many amazing women that I know in STEM. So I just started reaching out to them and I'm like, do you want to write a chapter about, you know, your journey and how it's been going so far? And they're like, I would like to do that. You know, I've always wanted yeah. to do that. And then some of them, you know, it actually for all of the authors, and I know you can attest to this because you are an author in the second book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A lot, a lot of the authors, they go on this self journey mm -hmm. when they write the chapter. So one of the things that I want to make sure when we're doing these chapters is that every chapter is unique because not everybody has the same story. Everybody right. has a different background. Everybody has so many different things that would have happened, you know, challenges different environments so I wanted to make sure that we appeal to almost everybody so if you pick up this book you can align with some of the concepts in any of the chapters you know because you may have had to go go through something similar and this book is not just for women you know because it's for men too um I know like in our first book we talked about we had someone from the U.S. military talking about a guy from the U.S. military talking about the ways that he tried to empower more women into STEM. Mm. So, like, that was a really great chapter. And for other guys who want to, you know, get involved, you know, he laid it out very, very nicely in his chapter in that first book. But a lot of the other stories, we have another woman, um, woman who put together stuff about, you know, moving from one country to another country, not knowing anybody, you know, globe trotting, shifting continents, different um changes in culture. You know, we have some stuff talking about miscarriages as well. Mm. So 
the the first book is very powerful but the second book which is dropping on May 2024 March 2024 is we had a um the theme that I wanted to go with for that book is working together to inspire the future mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of a lot of great content in that new book because we have 22 authors from 11 different countries so it's very global um we have some authors talking about space you know deep space exploration she was she was in the u.s air force Mm. and she gave us you know some content from that point of view another woman from brazil who is in finance but her venture is about supporting women in STEM because she has a venture capital company now. So there are so many interesting chapters in this book because a lot of them talk about their journeys. One person talks about becoming a wellness engineer. Mm. So she was an engineer before and now she's into mindfulness. And, you know, a lot of other chapters you know i don't know if you know this one it's about juno jones this you know <laughs> transforming the safety of women you know yeah. she talks about a lot of great things as well so a lot of movers and shakers in this book and uh, there's so many different stories like so many different stories and so yeah. many heartwarming things in this book well, I'm so excited to see the whole book put together. I, I worked very hard on my chapter. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right when you say it was, it is a personal journey because I have, although I have always been a writer for myself, I've always journaled my whole life. I've never sat down to truly write my own story from the start to the finish. And although I obviously in one chapter could not cover my whole story, <laughs> what I got to share was my story from the perspective of creating Juno Jones, the safety boot company for women. So I, I really got, I really learned a lot about myself and I'm very excited for the book to come out. I also, I want to say one, you know, the, I'm so glad we got you on today because we decided together, Sonia, you and I, that we were going to collaborate on getting every author from the new book to be interviewed by me for the hazard girls podcast and i'm glad we got you first (laughs) to give us an introduction here to what's what's to come but we've got 22 amazing interviews ahead of us each each person that we're interviewing has written a chapter for this upcoming book on on women in the future of stem and um we're going to learn each of their stories and what it was like for them to maybe explore their own personal journey to write this chapter. And we're going to learn a lot about the book. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to tempt a lot of people to get the book because they're going to want, they're going to hear a little bit of the story and then they're going to want to hear, then they're going to have to read the whole thing. Oh yeah. Uh, And who do you, Sonia, who's your audience for the book? So the audience has been, again, it's been global in terms of for the, sales for our first book we've seen sales in a lot of the different countries but the thing about the book is that it transitions between people who are now entering the workforce mm-hmm. to people who have been in the workforce for quite some time because mm-hmm. with women in STEM especially in these male populated um, industries 
there comes a time, and it's usually after five years, I don't know, there's a random statistic in there. Um, mm-hmm. Usually after five years, they actually leave the STEM field for like forever. And a lot of them are at that turning point and they're like, do I want to remain in STEM? Do I want to continue this journey? Or do I want to just go in a total different direction? So there are stories in this book where the authors address that directly. Mm. So I know, um, and that's the only way that I knew about the statistic because the author put it in there, you know. Mm-hmm. it's It's been verified. They usually leave after they're like, it's, you know, they're thinking this they feel it's frustrating. They could do so much more. You know, sometimes um, parenting comes into the mix. Yes. Motherhood, all of those things. And all of those topics are addressed in the book. And it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's a great book for people who are exploring STEM careers, but also people who are at that crux, making decisions about their careers. And also maybe for employers and yes mentors who are helping people within their careers it gives it can give them perspective on how to better keep women and other people as well in in their jobs and in their careers and and you know not how to navigate help them navigate that in a healthy way and achieve balance in their lives yeah and um I think because these stories are so personal and it has the author's voice in it a lot of like you said mentors or even managers Mm -hmm. trying to understand what their female employees are going through because they may not know what it's like when you get on a morning and you have you know the kids to get ready for school and then you come to the office and you're totally frustrated they may not Mm -hmm. understand that but through the voices of our authors they will and it may help them to empathize a little bit more in terms of oh this is what they're going through because I know one of the authors she talks about it she talks about having lactation stations there Uh there weren't any in her workplace and it's just because nobody thought about it you know until the until the issues brought up then it's irrelevant so I love that we get to touch on so many different things. So it really is a really good book for men and women, you know, within the field, thinking about joining the field, you know, just people who are intrigued from the field. Because in this book, this um, upcoming book, we have people with a finance background um, getting into STEM. They have, you know, I have a teacher in there from the UK and his background was sales and finance and now he is leading um children in STEM and teaching them different science related projects you know and he's mm-hmm. a YouTube sensation too but you know he's he has transitioned so it doesn't mean that if you're not in STEM that you can't get into it or even help people who may want to get into it so it has a really broad audience so true. So where can our listeners find the book and order it? And also, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, so just go on to Amazon 
and type in my name and the book will come up. That's on all of the other books. So the very easy way to get it, it's like that. Okay. But it will only be available from March 2024, but you can pre-order from February. So I will also send you a link with okay. direct link to the book so that we could put it up in the show notes and people can click on it and, you know, find it. But if you look for Empowering Women in STEM on Amazon, you will be able to find it as well and pre-order it. You can get the first book and the second book as well. So we can start pre-ordering it in February, you said? In February, yes. Okay. All right, so, this, so we're going to, this this episode will be out, but what we can do is we can go back and we can remind everyone. And yes. We can post about it on social because I want to make sure everyone knows when it's time. I'm very excited to pre-order yes. mine. <laughs> well, Sonia Mathura, author, editor, and advocate for women in STEM, and of course, the founder of Strategic Reliability Solutions. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hazard Girls podcast today. You, Sonia, you've been such an inspiration to me on my journey, and also not only an inspiration, but you have personally been so encouraging to me throughout my entire journey with Juno Jones and my podcast and everything that I've been doing. And I can't even believe we've never met in person because I feel like I know you so well, but um, it's you know, I just wanted to th personally thank you for being such uh, a positive presence in my professional life. And I'm excited to introduce you to our audience, the Hazard Girls audience, so that you can inspire them as well. I hope I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sonia. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>